And our Ask an Expert segment continues. Joining me now is Charles Darwin University PhD graduate and military historian Dr Craig Bellamy. How are you, Craig? I'm good, Mel. It's lovely to have you on this morning and I guess the question needs to be asked, how did Australia's radar radar activity fly under the radar? Okay, so what we're looking at is the people actually looking for Japanese radar. So the um, Australians, the the Kiwis, the Brits, and the Americans um, were all looking for Japanese radar. Oh. Yep. And this was so during how, how World it, War Two, right? Yes, this, this is during World War Two. But how did it actually fall under the radar? Was we didn't think the Japanese had radar. Ah. We were quite assured that the Japanese didn't have the techno- technology, and then when. Um, when the Brits actually offered to the Australians, the British Navy offered to the Australians a couple of, uh, several people and said, do you want to use these people to look for ra- radar? The Australians said, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And then suddenly they started finding Japanese radar and it was quite unexpected. Why did we think yeah. that Japan was so uh, so unadvanced? Um, I think it was a complacency and probably um, one of those white superiority type things. Uh, where yeah. We were, we were better than them. Um, but the interesting thing with radar was it was a parallel, uh, simultaneous um, invention. So many countries in, were inventing it. Only a few com- countries are really excelling at it, like Britain and America were excelling because they were sharing information. Japan, unfortunately, was out on its own and really couldn't share information with anybody. And um, so what they learned was... They learn it through through the hard way, if you like. Yeah, and why do you think that uh, that historians, you know, up until recently, were sort of uh, glossing over Australia's role? Um, well, after the war, the pretty much the Americans wrote the history of the war because mm. the Americans won the war. Yeah, and it's Australians all by themselves, the apparently, Craig. Uh, yeah, yeah. According um, to them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think the Australians went really a bit backward in coming forward. Mm. And um, so the Americans wrote the history and they said, we did this. We we set up this organisation. So they set up an organisation under General MacArthur uh, probably a year after the Australians were actually doing the work and they rebadged it. They, so they took all the, all the people from this other organisation called the, the Radar and Countermeasures Organisation and they put them into something called Section 22. And everyone talks about, well, people talk about Section 22. Oh, yeah, we know all about that. Nobody knows anything about the early stuff. And that's what my research was about. And it was a very small secret group. It was a small secret group, yeah. And there were um, Australians, um, Brits, Kiwis, and all from different different um, fa- faculties, if you like. So there, there was... Um, um, Navy, Army, Air Force, Australian Air Force were involved in, in a big way. Uh, New Zealand Navy, they had three people, four people involved. And British Navy had a few people, probably about 10. And um rest were around Australian Navy pretty much. And they, most of them trained at HMAS Rushcutter, which was down in um, on Sydney Harbour. Right. And then once we once we worked out that the Japanese, yep, they had this technology and they were using it, uh, what happened then? How did we go about 
uh, I guess, jamming it. Is that the right term? Yeah, well, jamming came later. So what we had to do, first of all, we had to find out where was the radar so mm. we can map the sites of all their radars, um, what what range did it have, so how, how effective was it and what was it being used for? So is it just being used for detection or is it being used for for gun laying, so actually for aiming the guns, that sort of thing, in planes or ships. And once they had that information, they could actually draw up maps and figure out routes to actually avoid the radar if they wanted to sneak into places, like the Air Force wanted to sneak in to bomb someplace, they could actually fly around the outside of the radar, the range of the radar, and not be detected, not, not least by the radar. And I imagine and then it would have later been... The, yeah. Yeah, later the jamming came in, all that sort of countermeasures stuff, the sophisticated stuff came later. And was it the first time that, that these types of things had been done? If they weren't aware of what type of radar they were using or how sophisticated it was, I imagine they would have had to have been thinking pretty fast on their feet. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, and, and it, was, it was constantly evolving too, so... Um, like when you think about the Germans, the Germans mm. and, and the, and the, Amer the um, Brits, the Germans would bring out a radar and the Brits would figure out a way to actually countermeasure that radar and then the Germans would develop a new radar and then it would just be snowballing yeah. like that. And the Japanese, they were a bit slower on that sort of, um, in that sort of area because unfortunately the Japanese, they had limited scientists, number of scientists, and they were pulling people out of the universities to sort of fill the spots for scientists. And then they started conscripting these people into the army. So they, there was a brain drain. Right. So the, the, German, the um, Japanese were actually taking people away from the scientists. So these, these poor old scientists were sort of trying to do a lot of stuff with very few people. Which would have helped our guys trying to work on it. It helped us. There was all sorts of serendipity things like yeah. that where we were very lucky that these sorts of things happened. The other thing was there was rivalry between the Japanese Navy and the Japanese Air Force. Right. And the two wouldn't talk to each other about a lot of things, including radar. So <laughs> each developed their own radars. Isn't that crazy? And they didn't tell each other. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. just so counterproductive. <laughs> yes. So where has this yeah. research research led led you Craig is there accolades or recognition coming for those those people involved well I hope so most yeah. of the people have now passed yeah. on but um, that's how I really started my research was I was being introduced to these people who um, um, people were saying you know this, this these guys worked in radar camera missions and I'm going what's that I mean I knew nothing about that Wow. I was more interested in the Air Force guys and, you know, where they flew and how they survived. But these guys were actually um, often Australian radar countermeasures um, operators working with American crews on an American base like Fenton or Long or um, you know, bases in the Territory. And it was quite a unique experience that a lot of these people had. So they had great stories to tell. I imagine for a historian like yourself, uncovering something like this and being able to explore it more, it must have felt like Christmas. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was fascinating, really fascinating. And pulling stuff out of the archives. Yeah. And, um, and then there, there were some people where I never got to meet 
the actual people who are the operators or and people involved in the organisation, but the family, mm. I found the family, and the family would say, oh, yeah, you know, come over, I've got all Dad's stuff here, and so there was, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a fascinating experience. It was, it was like detective work, if you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, and I imagine for those families that then get to talk about their loved ones who are no longer with us and the amazing thing they did, it must be very precious for them as well. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they're very proud of, of what their, what you know, what their dads did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The work is the beginnings of the Secret Australian Radar Countermeasures Unit during the Pacific War. Craig, where can people get hold of that, or, or can they read it, or, or get involved? Okay, if they're interested, if they go onto the CDU's library uh, website, but I think on, at the moment on the front page of the CDU website. In the media section, there's um, there's a link there, I think, to the my thesis. But it's on the university um, library's website. Excellent, Craig. Thank you so much for your time this morning. We'll share that link with our listeners. Have a great day. Thank you, Mel. You my too. my pleasure. Charles Darwin University PhD graduate and uh, military historian, Dr. Craig Bellamy. There, we'll pop that link up for you shortly.